Welcome back to the Take Podcast, a member of the Royal Aquatic Network. And here, we seek to cover the news that isn't considered popular or relevant enough in today's media landscape. And some things that are. World news and topics from all continents. Yes, <laughs> even Antarctica. Will be covered, ranging from environmental, culture, history, politics, and economics. With that being said, We'll also like to give a shout out to a conscious hip-hop artist from Minnesota. Not only is she talented in the vocal department, but she's also the producer of 612 Beats. So thank you, Waterstyle, for not only what you contribute to this podcast when it comes to this excellent music, as well as on the Patreon, but to the industry as a whole. With that, as always, enjoy and feel free to reach out and keep this an interactive experience. Welcome back to the Take Podcast with your host, Sean D. James. And I'm going to assume that everybody has already listened to the previous upload known as the update number three. And on that update, I gave a timeline for the remainder of 2023. And the first thing I basically covered was that these uploads will now be bi-weekly due to work schedule training new hires people getting let go it's going to be a a hectic summer so it's going to be a little difficult but you can also see from the title of this episode continental wealthy who are they part one it's going to be some research getting done on this here. So, yeah. This is actually going to be a three-part series that I have coming up. And with that, I want to jump right into this. Because this is another one of those lengthy episodes. So, Continental Wealthy. Who are they? Everyone knows Elon Musk. Because of Tesla, and most recently, the acquisition of, uh, what's that, Twitter? Yeah, the little bluebird, the other social media outlet that everybody uses. When you don't have access to Facebook or Instagram for random blackouts. Jeff Bezos, due to the number one e-commerce website, Amazon. I know majority of my listeners have an Amazon Prime account. Whether using it for movies, discount shopping, or something I actually found out about that I don't use, Grubhub, interesting partnership there. But, unless somehow you've only ever known of Mercado Libre as your primary e-commerce source for shopping, well, that would make sense if you lived in South America as it is dominated in this region. Yeah. Trust me, if you think Amazon share prices are getting up there, go look up Mercado Libre. And when you see the prices of that per share, you'll go, mm, damn, I've never heard of this, but I think I might want to invest in this company. This, once again, this is not investment advice. I'm just, I'm just letting you know, when, when you look it up, I was like, oh, let me look at this. <clears throat> Damn, that's just that's half my paycheck right there. What the fuck? <laughs> like, that is half my paycheck on a one share? Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm going to leave that one alone. And who could forget about Bill Gates? I know I can't, seeing as he's consistently in the news depend on your source of news, when it comes to the pandemic and his massive influence with governments and the World Health Organization. With this being said, the question is, who is the richest man in Africa? Who was the richest man that was not only in India, but 
Asia's richest man, only to lose $50 billion in under two weeks, causing him to drop down from third richest to 32nd. Now, you heard that right. $50 billion in under two weeks. You drop down from third to 32nd. Oh my God, that's a big drop in rankings. Well, yeah, that's that's a big drop. Can we just go back to the fact that it was $50 billion and you're still a billionaire? Yeah. Part two is going to be an interesting one to cover. Just so you know, he, he will be the second person for this three-part series. How about the largest landowner in Australia? Now, this isn't a joke. She owns 9.2 million hectares, last I checked. And yes, hectares is real. One hectare is the equivalent of 2.47 acres. Okay, acres is what most common people know of. So to hear that one individual owns 1.3% of the Australian landmass is an understatement to say I was stunned. Like, I was, I was thrown off, I heard hectare, and I said, wait, what? Did they spell acre wrong? I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> and so my head went to math, and I was like, how do I multiply that? How, how does that work? She owns how much? Wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> well, let's start with the Aussie. As it's proper etiquette to let ladies go first. I present to you Miss Georgina Hope Reinhardt, A.L., AO being an honor of distinguished service of a high degree to Australia or to humanity at large. Now, this is one of five honors of the Order of Australia. It was established in 1975 as a way for the Aussies to have their own honor system instead of the British honors they used to receive. Yet, it's modeled closely to the Order of Canada instead. So, let's get the most recent and negative information out of the way by starting with the pulled sponsorship for Netball Australia, which was valued around $15 million. When I say $15 million valuation, I'm talking Australian dollars. So when we convert that to USD, we're looking at $9.9 million for a combined four-year deal. For those who have never heard of netball, it's something akin to basketball, but with clear distinctions, such as seven instead of five players on the court, no backboards behind the hoop, and no dribbling or bouncing when in possession of the ball. Also, no running. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Oh. That's <laughs> like though that, that that alone does sound almost like here's beginner's basketball. And then it's just like, okay, never mind. You know what? If you think about it. There's going to be variations here. You got to play a certain way. Yeah, I can see how things change. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll let that go. I'll let it go. I don't watch basketball. But those little rule changes almost sound sound a little funny. Sound a little, a little easy. Then so you play the sport and you go, shit. All right, I apologize. All right? I'm sorry for that comment. I, I was wrong. 
damn, you ain't gotta rub it in my face. <laughs> like, we ain't gotta rub it in my face. I was wrong. Your sport is hard. It looked like it was easy. It sounded like it was easy. What's on paper is different than actual, you know, action. Point proven. <laughs> Even though the national team are 11 time world champions and four time Commonwealth champs. The sport, as a whole, is in debt. Taking a 4.4 million Australian dollar loss last year only shows how important the sponsorship was to the sport. 4.4 million dollars in debt. Yeah, we 11-time world champs? What? <laughs> Oh, yo, this is why I say sponsorship opportunities is out there across the board. If you got a business to promote, there are plenty of sponsorship opportunities. You truly just have to look, weigh those options, and it's just like, you know what? Maybe I might take a hit the first year, but we can make something happen here, people. (laughs) Like, we can make something happen. Seriously. Hey, Sean here. And I wanted to take this time to talk to you about our foundation. That gives a little assistance. The Wells Rugby Academy is a foundation developed and run by former Ugandan women's national team player, Miss Fortunate Eraconda. She is providing children with the opportunity at a future through sports, teamwork, and leadership development. But like always, in the end, there's only but so much one person can get done on their own. So I'm asking you, take the time and click on the link in the description to see what the Wells Rugby Academy has to offer. Join the likes of York Rugby League Football Club in England, the European Rugby League, and yours truly, Sean D. James in aiding communities with a brighter future. For more information about funding, potential partnerships, and sponsorships, Ms. Ericonda's information will be below. Thank you for your time, and now back to the show. The reasoning for pulling the sponsorship for Hancock Prospecting, the company Ms. Reinhardt inherited after her father's death, and Roy Hill Mining Company, majority owned by Ms. Reinhardt, was a reaction to the national team saying they stand as one after Danelle Wallman, an indigenous player and only the third in the history, stated that she felt uncomfortable wearing the sponsored attire due to racist comments made by Lane Hancock, the father of Gina Reinhardt. Almost 40 years ago. You're uncomfortable because of a comment made 40... Huh. Okay. 40 years. Okay. Okay. There has to be, there has to be more to it than that. Another issue cited was involving the matter of climate change. Climate change? Okay, so we're going with racist comments made by the founder of the company 40 years ago and climate change. Okay. So, you know, I'm about to go like this. Okay. This is the Take Podcast. In the title, you see it right there every time you see the Take Podcast, but it says where facts and opinions matter. So that being said, let's start with the facts. Fact number one. Yes, in 1984, Lane Hancock made remarks about drugging water supplies in an effort 
to sterilize the Aborigines people so that they will, in quotation marks, with the fingers, the finger just, you know, I'm doing the fingers, quotations, breed themselves out. Yeah. Yeah. He said you should drug the water supply so that it will sterilize them. And this way they could breed themselves out of existence. Wow. Damn. Oh, okay. Okay. Fact two. Miss Reinhardt has never condemned her late father's remarks. Fact three. Miss Wallman received a call up to the national team. As a rising star in the sport. Fact four. Both sides have chosen to stand their ground. So. You got the call up to the national team. The jersey you was going to wear was sponsored by. This company. Ran by this woman. Founded by her father. Who made remarks about your people. And in the past 40 years, she has never said, you know what, my father was wrong for what he said. And I condemn it. Hmm. So, okay, I, I, I see that. Fact number five. Nepal is in need of funding, even though it's one of the most popular sports in the country. With 1.2 million people registered as players and sponsors are hard to come by. You have 1.2 million people registered as players and you still are struggling for sponsors. Okay. Opinion time. Opinion number one. Yes, I do believe Lane Hancock's statements were filled with malice. But I cannot hold the daughter responsible for the actions of the father. Like, come on, what? Her father made the comments, he's dead, she's alive. If she does not move the way he does, she doesn't talk like he does, why am I... Why am I coming with this type of move? This this type of energy. Opinion two. Well, I do empathize with Miss Wallman on being a person of descent from the First Nations people. I can't stand with her because I I see this as an outcome of the nature of the beast. This is a part of sports athletes don't seem to be prepared for. Or, should I say, trained for? There have been plenty of examples with players not liking what a sponsor stands for. Wearing team gear for the LGBT community. Based on religious or even personal beliefs. And so on. So, I I get where she's coming from. I empathize with it. But... From that standpoint, I I can't stand alongside her with that. And I would side with Ms. Reinhardt and the two companies and being like, hey, they got a problem. We're pulling that sponsorship. I, I have to go with that. Let's take a closer look at Ms. Gina Reinhardt's life. She was born in 1954, February 9th. In Perth, Western Australia. A brief stint at the University of Sydney was her next step after graduating from St. Hilda's Angelican School for Girls. <laughs> like, okay. Dad had her at an all-girls school. That to me sound like one of those... Hey. Focus. Focus on those books. No boys. <laughs> Every time I hear somebody went to all-girls school, I see this thing. 
Yeah, your parents is like, hey, you want them to focus on books? Send them to all girls school. Want to focus on books? Send them to all boys school. They'll be okay. <laughs> I swear, that's what that's every time I think about that. But it appears that uni wasn't for her, so she dropped out to work for her father. Looks like um. She said, yeah, this isn't for me. I'm screwed as dad. I'm just going to join the family business and just jump right in. Let's let's get, let's get it. <laughs> like, school, I, I learned enough. I learned enough. I'm, I'm ready to get this, get this uh, actual hand-on experience going. Thank you, dad. During this time, she met her first husband, Greg Milton. Later changed to Greg Hayward, who was an English partner of her father, and the father of her first two children. Son, born in 1976, John Hancock. Name changed from John Hayward. And daughter, Bianca Reinhardt, in 1979. 1979 was also the year the couple separated, and in 1981, finalized their divorce. Sounds like that was quite the... Time frame there. In 1983, Gina married her second husband, Harvard Law grad Frank Reinhardt, and father of her last two children, Hope Reinhardt Walker, born in 1986, and Gina Reinhardt, born in 1987. So from 79 to 83, that was some... uh. Ups and downs and ups again time frame I see. <laughs> like, wow. Quite the time period. It appears that this marriage was a better one than the first. But unfortunately, didn't last long as Frank Reinhardt passed away in 1990. Two years later, her father passed and left her a company that was in shambles, valued around $75 million. So, you just had two more kids in 86 and 87. In 1990, your second husband dies. In 92, your father dies and leaves your company that's in horrible condition. <sighs> mm. Well, let's say uh, she then took the proverbial bull by the horns and turned the company around. This turnaround brought her to the status of being the wealthiest person in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure makes diamonds. <laughs> Pressure makes diamonds. Like, damn. Two kids. And three years. A divorce. Two years after that. Remarried two years after that. Two more kids, four years after that. Three years later, the husband dies. Two years later, the father dies. Like, oh. 76 to 92 was, I can't even say 76. I, I feel like it has to start from when Bianca, like in 79. Like, uh, you separate in 79. You know, things probably was rocky before then. But 79 is when y'all separated. Like, you have a second child and you separated. I want to say from 79 to 92. That was... That was was some turbulent times. To think, being a single mother of four at 38 years old, back-to-back deaths, and inheriting a company close to bankruptcy 
that has to be one hell of a full basket of responsibilities and emotions. <laughs> Man. 38 with four kids and a company hitting bankruptcy. I'm I'm be honest, the bankruptcy is the only thing that's the difference maker. (laughs) If you compare it to a lot of women nowadays out here, be out here struggling with the two. You hitting four? And it's not even like, oh, I got baby daddy here, the baby father here, and this marriage. It's like, no, I literally had two marriages. One fell apart, and then I'm a widow. It's like, oh, okay, that, we, we changed the statistics a little bit here. You, you're in a different category now. But it's like, oh, and I also inherited a bankrupt company. It was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to sip this tea right quick. Wow. Um, yeah, well, let's see what you can do with life. Well, you about to have some lemonade, put some less sugar in there, sweeten the life side for yourself. What, what do I do here? <laughs> like, how are we about to make this work? Well, she made it work. Hitting her first billion by 2006 was a nice milestone, but not the end of her journey. The thing is, She's not only a mining magnet and the owner of the country's largest privately held company, but she also jumped into the field of agriculture. Not only is she under the land, but she's also working it from above as the nation's second largest cattle producer. This helped her along with her voyage into the dairy products along with being the biggest non-governmental donor to four. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. And I'm going to stop there. I, I can't get any of the language. I, I got the English and Spanish. French was one year in school. Barely remember any of it. But I do repeat. The biggest non-governmental donor to four Australian Olympic teams that has gained her the status of AO. Yeah, that that medal of honor she got from the Order of Australia. Yeah, that uh, that philanthropy, being a a donor. Yeah, she she backs her country. There's one thing I could say from doing the research about her. This woman cares about her country. <laughs> She's like, yo, we got to be center stage at all times. When it comes to the representation of Australia in the sporting world, she has shown immense passion. For nearly 12 years, she has backed Australian swimming. Some even saying... That she saved it. <laughs> like another sport that was struggling from funding. And she said, I got you. I mean, wow. Being labeled the matriarch of the Australian Olympic team isn't that far fetched. <laughs> I mean,. <laughs> You you got the label of being the matriarch of the Australian Olympic team. Okay. Okay. An estimated 5 to 10 million annually has been pledged to the AOC. No, I'm not talking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Democratic Party in the U.S., but the Australian Olympic Committee. And as such, it's their biggest donation. So that five to ten is in Australian dollars. So let's say it's let's just push it to the max, ten million annually. It's what she pledges. 
Talk about money. Talk about funding. Boy. I don't care what nobody say. That money come in. There better be some big reasons why you're not taking it. Because during this research, I came across this. Around 120 swimmers are said to receive a yearly payment of up to $40,000. Yeah. You receive a yearly payment of up to $40,000. Hell, you telling me I'm about to receive a yearly payment of $10,000. I'm like, cool. <laughs> this is based upon their world ranking. And it's from the Georgina Hope Foundation. So her foundation is literally putting out thousands. And technically, as we're saying 40. So if you rank number one, you're getting that 40. So this is this is it. Hundreds of thousands of dollars yearly is being put to 120 swimmers. Oh man. Mm. I would be shocked by the amount if not for the fact that she gave out a hundred thousand dollars to ten employees during a lottery before Christmas, with one of the winners only working at the job for three months. Hmm. Talk about a new hire bonus. Let's let's get this straight. Ten employees got a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Not a hundred dollar, a hundred thousand dollar bonus before Christmas. And it wasn't like, oh, this supervisor has done well and this management has done well. No, it was I've only been working for the company for three months in the field as a truck driver or you know, I've been out there on the machinery, and I just got a $100,000 bonus. I don't even celebrate Christmas. I'm single. I don't even have kids. I'm not even dating. <laughs> like, like, you got your paycheck, and then you got a $100,000? Look, I'm going to keep it real. If that 100K is some untaxed 100K, oh, baby. Say less. You already know them employees was like, yo, hey, we, got a, we got a lottery pool, right? All right I got $1,000 right here for the lottery pool. Matter of fact, I'm covering everybody for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, yo... If my job did a random lottery and I got a hundred K, no, my job, that shit getting taxed. There's no way I'm getting untaxed hundred K. So still, I get that. I'll just be like, I just hit my five. I just recently hit my five year mark. This is the first time I actually hit. I've actually been at a job this long. All my life, I've literally, the second longest I did was four and a half years. Back in the day, working at Babies R Us. It was like every time a new job came along, paying more money, better than health insurance, and I just, I was on it. So it's like to hear somebody go to a new job in three months and pull that. Like for me to get that in my job, I would just be like, as a bonus. Have I been elected to the to the board? Or something? What's going on here? <laughs> was I randomly elected from, from my work site to be a, a, go to corporate? Am I about to go to Tennessee? Shh. What? Well, about to get that moonshine sipping. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, man. $100,000 hiring bonus. Well, time to get some more studying going and go back into the stock market. 
You know, they say we have a housing shortage going on right now. Not just here in America, but all around the world. And they say the issue is shortages from labor to supplies to buyers. But one company has chose to put themselves at the forefront of being a solution to that problem. And that company is Boxable. Boxable is a Las Vegas, Nevada-based company that specializes in prefab modular homes with a twist. And that twist is innovation. You see, they've taken the assembly line model and applied it to their 170,000 square foot factory. This has allowed them to develop the Casita. The Casita is Boxable's first modular design. This unit is a 375 square foot, 20 by 20, water, bug, and mold resistant, fire retarded, and high winds. Oh, it can withstand high winds. Full kitchen, full bathroom, and wheelchair accessible dwelling unit. Now, all that sounds good, but what makes it really stand out? You said they do an assembly line, man. Okay, cool. Okay. What makes it really stand out? Well, this is where the innovation comes into play. Because your 20 by 20 dwelling unit is foldable. And when I say foldable, I mean just that. It folds down to an eight and a half wide by 12 foot tall, easy and efficient shipping unit. This is what innovation looks and sounds like. Not only that, but upon delivery, it can be set up and ready to go within an hour. Yes, an hour. No more of those, you know what, I think I want an attachment to the house. Maybe we should get an ADU. We could, we could use an additional dwelling unit. Make a little extra money with, you know, Airbnb, Verbo. Or just put it all on. Hey, we have a housing unit available. Well, with Boxable, that's a possibility now. So, the question here is, what are you waiting for? Click the link in the description below and see what the future looks like for renters and home buyers alike. Because with a modular unit, prefab homes, <laughs> the possibilities are always endless. Alright, so, let me stop sidetracking here. So this means that the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris and the 2026 Milan Cortina Winter Olympics will be sponsored by Hancock Prospecting, along with youth teams in the 2024 and 2026 Youth Olympic Games and Guangguang and Dakar, respectfully along with this year's Pacific Games. Once again, sponsorship is important at multiple levels. Other philanthropic activities of Ms. Reinhardt includes donations to charities and nonprofits like Madala Limited via the Roy Hill Community Foundation. Its individuals like Clinton Wolf an indigenous businessman and a director at Modelo, country Liberal Party Senator Jacinta Price, and Zach Kirkup, the former West Australian Liberal Party leader, who came to the defense of their fellow Aussie when a netball incident took place. Senator Jacinta Price had this to say, It's absolutely ridiculous that there's this notion that it's okay nowadays to judge individuals on a basis of what somebody who they're related to did or said. You made your bed, you lie in it. These are the words she had for Australian netball on a Facebook post. In the end, this is a reminder of doing your due diligence 
and having clear understanding with all parties involved when conducting business. When you don't do that, what happens? Now you got lawsuits. Now you got boardroom disputes. Now somebody feels hurt about something. Now people are not performing as they should. Why? Because all parties were not at the table. And there was not no clear whatsoever understanding. And then you end up with situations like this. Negative publicity. And I don't, I, I don't care. That statement of all publicity is good publicity. All publicity is good publicity when you come out as the person in the right. Otherwise, negative publicity is just that. Negative and harming. So, choose wisely when you do business with individuals. Once again, I got to state, after doing the research for this episode, more and more stood out to me. More and more became interesting. And one person in particular stood out to me. And that was former West Australia Liberal Party leader, Zach Kirkup. Because we share the same sentiments when it comes to criticizing brands and organizations. Stop driving your Volkswagens and wearing Adidas or Adidas. Wherever you're from. Hey, here in the U.S. is Adidas. I hear over in Europe, they say Adidas. I'm like, all right, whatever one you choose. Why we? Why do I agree with him when he says that statement? Simple. Because they were both used by the Nazis. Oh, sounds like we about to have that Kanye conversation moment. Nah, no, we're not. I'm not doing that. I'm not about to go into some old, old news story like that. Like, no, we're leaving that one alone. Don't eat Kit Kats because Ness has a pretty terrible ethical history. Oh, (laughs) and put down your Laurel because it was invented by a fascist sympathizer. Hmm. I was watching an episode of uh, Rising and I laugh because Brianna Joy Gray Brought the remarks about how people was like, oh, I won't wear Timbaland. Or like, I won't wear Tommy Hilfiger. And it's like, what? Like, well, I was like, oh, because the owner said he didn't make his clothes for black people. Yeah, it was like, that was the Tommy Hilfiger thing. It was like, oh, well, Timbaland was like, oh, well. Yeah, they said the, the, the tree on, on the boots is actually a lynching tree. And I was like, I'm being in high school here and it's going, what? What? But then, even to this day, people will still bring that up. And it's just like, damn, how long ago was that? Like, that, that's what the owner said? Is that, are these people still in charge? Or are they just the founders of the company? And the people that run it have changed the image of the company and done better than the person that founded the company. Like, you know, like, if you really want to start acting like this, holier than thou type of thing can we can we at least acknowledge what's actually wrong here because when you take a look at what company is a part of you know a much bigger chain of companies that form a conglomerate you soon realize how much of a change is needed to be true to your words and self so For me, once again, I empathize with Miss Wallman. But at the end of the day, you are a netball player for the Australian national team. If another sponsor comes along and I saw those rumors about it being a gambling sponsor, who... Yeah, gambling sponsor is so much better than a mining company. Hmm. Okay. 
at the end of the day, once again, you, you're still a netball player for Australia. So, if sponsorship is going to be bad, what happens when the team you play for domestically gets a new sponsor and it's not something you agree with? Then what? They say climate change is an issue and they all stand as one. Okay, cool. I, I, I get that. And I get the the issue with the mining and how that's affecting things. But this is one of those things where at some point you have to take an L in order to get the dub. Like, I don't know what else to say. Some I can understand the whole don't compromise your values and and your, your you know your, your core values and beliefs. But Define compromise for me. Truly define that. Because, I, once again, I'm going, I gotta agree with Zach here. You have to look at who owns what and what is what. Because if that's such an issue, then I don't want to hear, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm keeping it real. I don't want to hear anything about we need to go and drive electric cars only an EV. Really? Really? You you only So how does that mining process go for those minerals? You know, for the, for the lithium. How does that go? How about those copper and everything else that goes into these batteries? But we need to be eco-friendly, right? We need to make sure I'm out of the look. I'm not a, a, I wasn't, I was sucked into it when I was younger, the whole climate thing. For me, it's more of a environmental thing than climate. So I, if I say, if I was put into a category, I'm an environmentalist, not a climatist. So if we're really going to really go there and talk about mining and it's being done on indigenous people's lands and the ethics, I don't want nothing about EVs. I don't want to see nobody buying a brand new electronic. Every year something drops. Brand new TV, game, computer, tablet, phone, like none of that. I, I don't want to hear it. Like what's wrong with your phone? Is your phone really that that slow something wrong with you? You dropped your phone, you cracked it. You don't, have, you don't have a protection plan? Like, come on. Look, um. All in all, from from the research and anything I've, I've read and seen here, you can talk. All the trash you want. You could talk all the trash you want about millionaires and hundred millionaires to the billionaires. Not just a single digit, but the double digit billionaires out there. But that is a reason why I'm doing this. That's that's the reason why I'm, I'm covering this topic of continental wealthy. Who are they? Because too many people want to talk about how billionaires are the ones destroying everything and here in the U.S. they need to pay their fair tax. I'm keeping it real. You can talk... You can talk all that shit all you fucking please. But I'm telling you right now, 70... I want to say 72 to... 78% of all these people that are protesting this and protesting that, you break them off. Don't give them a single digit. You got to give them a double digit. And don't don't, don't put it in the teens. If you're going to put it, give them like 18 million. At the the lowest, 18. Throw them 30 mil. Between 18 and 30 million. And then tell them, oh, there's going to be a tax. 
So you do you notice an inheritance tax and then, you know, the federal state tax and city tax. Like, hit them with random taxes and just tell them, all right, that 30 million, that 30 million brings you down to 18. And they go, right, I'm cool with that. Oh, but you also got to turn around and pay your fair share tax. That fair share tax statement will piss them off. I'm telling you. You 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 turn around and have a random person tell them like oh these couple of these billionaires died and they had made a, a deal that this money's gonna be inherited by these people and this and that people will lose their minds. Let's see how let's see how much your values truly mean. Let's see what you really do with that money to back up what you truly believe in or what you say you believe in. Okay, as far as I'm concerned, look. You can say, hey, her mining company and the land and stuff she owned, you know, it's on indigenous land. But then you have indigenous people saying, hey, she may be using the land, but it's also one of the things where we have to adapt to the times. And she's actually providing us with the adaption ability tools from these foundations to representing the country and having us on par. And I mean, look, she's entitled to what she's entitled to. She doesn't believe in climate change. She made these remarks. Look, that's her opinion. But to then turn around and try to combine both things, look, I'm I'm once again I'm 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 keeping it real. Like if somebody says that that's their opinions, that's their opinions and beliefs. You're just looking at it as a reason to attack a person. Because if she came back around and said, hey, you know what? Instead of Hancock prospecting, being on the, on the jerseys, how about my foundation? How about we just do that? How about my foundation is a shirt sponsor instead? Would y'all feel comfortable with that? And they go, well, I don't know. She's like, you know, and I feel like I should just make an amends. So I'm also going to put the sponsorship now at $30 million. Instead of fifth, Instead of 15 it's going to be 30 If they turn that down, mm, they turn that down, well, then you know what? I would be like, hey, Miss, Miss uh, Reinhardt. Everybody at Roy, the Roy Hill, <laughs> and Hancock Prospecting. I know a, a rugby foundation in Uganda that could use some money. Like we we're we're working on the twenty five hundred right now. We're not we're not talking about millions. We're talking about trying to get twenty five hundred together. We're talking about working to get twenty five hundred together, and then let's take it further than that. Fifteen million. <sighs> You done set up structures, foundations, and built some, built some <laughs> five thousand seater stadiums for for youth academies. <laughs> we talk about some expansion and growth here for for the next decade. So um, yeah. I've I've kind of rambled on here, but. I I had I had to say it's like it's just so much here. Like I I hear people coming to a defense that are indigenous people. I notice issues between her and her children, and with the whole the trust, the estate that the father left, and the money, this and that, to this netball thing. But at the end of the day. Yeah, she's a billionaire. Yeah, she's a businesswoman. You gotta make tough decisions in business. You gotta do you gotta do things. It is what it is. Once again, it's the nature of the beast. Rawr. <laughs> but um Honestly, I c I don't I can't see her as one of those billionaires who's like, they need to pay their fair share, they need to contribute more to society, they're not doing enough. Go go throw that shit towards Mark Zuckerberg 
and the bullshit he did to the Australian people, along with the, the U.S. government. Go go throw that throw that shade at Bill Gates. Go throw that shade over at Elon if you wanted to say talk some shit just to be relevant, get some likes and followers, and get that hit of dopamine on Twitter. I can't talk shit about Jeff Bezos. I really ain't got much to say. I don't follow much information when it comes to him. Side note, when checking the list of the most wealthiest women in the world, Gina Reinhardt's the most wealthiest in Australia. And she kept herself relevant enough for that top 10. But apparently Bill Gates' wife was on that list. I was like, oh, shit. Like, I know they got the, they was divorcing. His, my correction, his ex-wife. His ex-wife. And I was like, oh, shit. Where? She on that list? That list, you see those lists of like old people? It was I see somebody that looked a little bit young on that list. It was like you see some, some youngins. It's like, oh, okay. Guess got some people that's not in their sixties and seventies. Guess somebody's young up there. Young enough. Cool. <laughs> but yeah. I'm I'm pretty much leaving it there. Um I've rambled on a lot. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's a poll and there's a Q&A at the bottom of this episode for you to interact with. Let's get some input. As always, you have the show notes for resources, links, everything in the description there. There's only one thing left to do. And as always, enjoy yourself, enjoy the day, and stay prosperous. Peace. Out, out